Welcome to today's episode of the Blueprint Podcast, where we throw out the old blueprint so we can become who we were always meant to be. I'm your host, Jason Smith. And if you haven't already, make sure you click the subscribe button and share the podcast with your friends on social media and tag me in it at jbirdfit. Today, I'm being interviewed by Jennifer Sherlock. Hi, I'm Jen Sherlock. Welcome to Live Without a Net. I have an amazing guest. His name is Jason Smith. He's known as Jaybird Fit on Instagram. And we met through uh, an influencer that we both admire, Ed Milet. And after looking at his Instagram for so long, I was so interested in all of his content. And then all of a sudden one day he had a lot more content and a lot more and it's very engaging. And I thought other people would be just as interested as I am. So welcome to the show. Jennifer, thanks for having me. I am excited to be here. And it's true. We both follow Ed Milet. During a certain time period in my life, I was reviewing his content very often. And it was one of those things that served as a motivator for me to overcome a lot of obstacles that I was experiencing at the time. He's just a very uplifting person. He seems to have a good soul and he gives you quality content that you can deploy, you know, tactical advice that you can deploy in your life immediately. When he came out with his book, The Power of One More, I couldn't resist. I had to dive into that. You become a personal development junkie where you're, you're grabbing all the books, trying to get all the information, try, trying to figure things out. And it's just been, it's been really cool to be able to take that information and then use that in real life to grow my online stuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you're very inspiring. And I, I'd love to hear more about your background and how you became a health and breath coach. And I just think it's so interesting. And I think we all need this kind of healing in our lives. So I want to hear how you started it. I was a police officer for eight years. And during that time period, I served on SWAT team, crime scene, and a special unit. And with my time on crime scene, you get sent to all the things where people have made the permanent decision to leave the planet. And with that, you read a lot of the notes that get left behind. And those notes are oftentimes the overarching theme is I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. I wasn't able to give whoever it was in their life the things that they needed to have because I'm somehow defective. I, I can't get things done. It's not manageable for me. I can't make this happen. And then once again, it just ends with, I'm not enough. And so when you see enough of those over a long period of time, you start to want to try and figure out, well, what's happening? What's going on? I have to compartmentalize this. You're taking in this information and you don't know exactly what to do with it. So you go and you talk to a therapist for a little bit. Dealing with the therapist was great. And you interview your therapist and you find the ones that resonate with you and are going to help you out and you know navigate that tough situation and help you figure out how to use better tools to overcome the thoughts, feelings, and emotions that you're experiencing from this. But after time, you you tend to outgrow them. They, they hit a point where they're not able to help you in a ways that, that you really need them to help you. And that doesn't mean that you give up on, on therapy necessarily, but it does mean that there's an opportunity to bring on some new tools and to look into some different areas to help you out. So I decided to dive into personal development. And through that, you know, you find Tony Robbins, Ed Milet, Joe Dispenza, you start going down the spirituality stairwell and you start meditating. Then all of a sudden you find breath work. And that was the tool that I started using in my life to help me navigate those thoughts, feelings, and emotions and a dysregulated nervous system and just being in this you know, constant state of anxiousness or being in my sympathetic nervous system, that fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. Breathwork was that tool that allowed me to move into my parasympathetic 
of rest and relaxation. Now, it's not something that happened overnight. It was something that you have to figure out. So you get the books by Patrick McEwen, Oxygen Advantage guy. You get Breath by James Nestor. And you start to educate yourself on these topics and you realize, okay, well, this is functional. This is something I can deploy in real time. This is something that I can use in my life daily. And so then you start to make a practice out of it and it becomes a habit. And once you have that habit, you start to realize that your field of vision starts to open up a little bit more because you're no longer in that your sympathetic nervous system in that fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. You're now starting to open up and allow yourself to take a step through that door of rest and relaxation and be able to see things just a little bit differently. You begin to pick your head up. You experience the world in ways that you haven't experienced it before. And you didn't realize that you were in pain. You didn't realize you were hurting. You didn't realize you were struggling. You didn't realize all these things that were going on inside of you until you start adding these practices in to your life. And then just everything becomes new again. That's so interesting. I love that. Yeah, I always listen about how you have to take that time like for silence and peace or you won't even, you know, get those signs in life. Actually, I listened to a podcast this morning. It was Ed Milet. It was like his solo podcast. He talked about that, how you have to have that like alone time to be able to listen to, to whatever's calling you. He also talks about faith as well. But yeah. That was something. And he mentioned that recently where he's actually making breath work a priority in his daily routine because he recognizes the benefits of your body starts telling you certain things about what's happening. How do I feel? What am I experiencing? What are my key emotions right now? What are the things that are challenging me this week? And you're allowing yourself to actually experience the thoughts rather than this constant racing around or the overthinking that leaves you feeling you know, flustered and overstimulated. So you're in this place where you can begin to hear what you're actually experiencing. And then you'll start to, when those messages do come, you'll start to realize, okay, well, there's the answer. I just gave myself the answer. Instead of looking outside of you all the time, you can realize that it's within you to, uh, to get that answer. Yeah. And it's very interesting the way you talk to yourself. Yes. And it brain. And I should talk to myself better. I'm sure many people, I'm very like highly critical of myself. So I'm the type of person that will beat myself down. But if I actually practiced saying positive things constantly, I'm sure I could change my brain. And so one of the things that I love is when you wake up in the morning, I started doing this very early on in my healing journey. And I'm years into my healing journey at this point. But I would write down my dreams when I woke up in the morning, as soon as I woke up, I kept a, a pen and paper right next to my bed and I would reach for the pen immediately because I knew that I would forget. And so whatever I could hold on to, I would write down. I, I'll caution people before you do anything like this, because what's going to end up happening or the potential of what could happen is that you're going to start recalling old memories and old experiences from not just a year ago or last week or a month ago, but really old experiences are going to start coming back into your awareness. And if you're not prepared to deal with that, if you don't have somebody that you trust or a therapist or a coach that you're working with, just make sure that you have those things in place, that you talk to your doctor. This isn't medical advice. I'll say that a million times. Make sure that you have somebody that you you can go to when you're doing stuff like this, because those old memories are going to pop up. You're not going to know exactly what to do with them. But for me, it was a blessing because now you're, you're managing these thoughts, feelings, and emotions we have a lot of negative self-talk that we deal with. And so after I would write down the dreams, now you go into, well, what's my negative self-talk? Because what you're going to find is when you wake up, the first couple of thoughts are going to be either your dream or it's going to be what happened to you yesterday, the day before, a week before, a month before, five years before. 
and you're going to find yourself emotionally activated before you're even out of the bed. And so writing down what your first three negative thoughts are really helps you to start to identify where the issues are that you're having. And then you can start diving deeper into that with a little bit of journaling and just trying to work through those thoughts, feelings, and emotions. Yeah, thank you. I'll do that. That's great advice. And first thing in the morning is even if I did it in my phone in the notes, Yeah, that would be helpful. Because I always say I'm going to practice gratitude or work on that, you know, where you constantly have positive affirmations and I might do it for a day and then never again. Right. And then you have Mel Robbins and she says, you know, high five habit, right? So you go in your next step now, you finally made it out of the bedroom, you're into the bathroom and you have to look at yourself in the mirror. And what's the first couple things that we say? God, what happened to me? I'm so much older. What happened to my hair? Why do I have wrinkles here? What's happening? Where did that hair come from? Why, why did I lose my hair? All of these things start going through your head and it's always something negative. And that's why I love Mel Robbins so much. Why, why don't you just celebrate yourself? Why don't you give yourself a high five in the mirror? Give yourself that celebration, recognize yourself, celebrate yourself, love yourself, cultivate that self-love, and then start to move on with your day. Because you have to ask yourself, all of those negative statements, are they helping you or hurting you? Are they getting you closer to or further away from your goals? And so we want to start exercising compassion, grace, and self-love. It's all great points. You said exactly what I do to myself <laughs> in the mirror. <laughs> well, not the thing is, in a, a lot of people think that, you know, their story is very unique to them. My experiences are my experiences. You don't know what I've gone through. You know nothing about this. And it's like, well, I, I don't know exactly your experience, but I know a version of it because we're all human beings. I'd like to think that we are. And we go through similar experiences, but our thought processes are generally very similar. And that's why you have the personal development industry and coaching industry that are billion dollar industries and they're doing really well because people are always seeking answers to a question, whatever that question is for you. We all have that singular question that we want answered. But for most of us, it's overcoming that overarching theme of I'm not enough. So how can I become enough? So true. Yeah. And that story you said earlier is sad. It was like a common theme that you were seeing in people. That is sad. And I'm sure it's more relevant. It happens more than we know with people that are smiling that we see every day. And yeah. And, and again, I could go so much deeper uh, just to give sure. you a very different outlook on that type of experience. But it's it's deeply painful for the people that are left behind. And they don't, mm. they don't know how to deal with that situation. And they often look at themselves as being the ones that, you know, I should have recognized this. And so they start taking on all this blame on top of it. And then they're left to struggle with blame oftentimes for the rest of their life. And, and that's the piece that is even more heartbreaking. That is heartbreaking. I know. It's like they just need to meet that one person that changes their thinking. Yeah. Okay. So let's switch gears. Let's talk about um, dating and relationships and um, but you always have, you have these great memes on your <laughs> social profiles and videos about um, anxious attachment styles or avoidant attachment styles. So I thought they were very interesting because I was trying to figure out which one I am and I will get the books that you recommend. But can you talk about it a little bit? Because I think you're helping a lot of people out there. The memes, I started a few months back just because I needed to shift what I was doing on Instagram. For whatever reason, what I was doing just wasn't working. It wasn't connecting on the platform everything was falling flat. And I think we all go through this experience of trying to figure out what does the algorithm actually want? And it's changing so frequently that you find yourself being lost in what should I be creating? So 
I made TikTok very specific to TikTok. I started making Instagram a little more specific to Instagram. And a couple months back, they allowed pictures again. And pictures started their own frame and who they are, where they're going, what they're doing, and, and how and why they're doing it. And they have no problem setting boundaries with other people and then sticking to those boundaries. But we also want to think about all of this as being on a spectrum because that same person who has that secure attachment style, when they get involved with somebody who has an anxious attachment style or an avoidant attachment style, that secure person can now take on some of those traits from being in that relationship because that avoidant has the power to make the secure person a little more anxious. And that anxious person has the power to make that secure person a little more avoidant because they're crossing a boundary and that doesn't feel good. So then the secure person's like, whoa, what's going on? I've never experienced this. And so we create that avoidance. So you'll hear a lot of times the anxious person sitting back and making the statement, everybody I date is an avoidant. And it's like, well, that's not necessarily true. They could be secure, but because of your level of anxiousness in the relationship and placing and lack of boundaries and placing that and overlaying that story on top of somebody who has a more secure attachment style, they're recognizing that as something that doesn't feel normal to them. And so they, they will start to create distance in that type of relationship, or they'll set a boundary, or they'll just end the relationship. But like I said, it's more of a spectrum. So then your anxious attacher, your anxious attacher is exactly what it sounds like. You're looking to get your needs met by the other person. So there's this insatiable need. And I use texting as the example a lot of the times, just because it's easily understood. And, you know, we all text each other all the time. The person that has an anxious attachment, a lot of times loves to have that constant connection through text messaging. But then they also overlay a story on top of that text messaging about what each text message means and the words that the other person is using, the frequency of text. So if it's not coming in at the right frequency, they're going to get more anxious and more frustrated and feel like their partner doesn't necessarily like they don't care about them or whatever it is that they're going through in that moment. But that's what anxious, anxious texting looks like not realizing that the person let's say they're dating somebody who's more avoidant the avoidant is going to avoid so they're in this place of they're receiving all these text messages they don't know what to do with it their nervous system is completely uh, on fire at this point they're experiencing emotional overwhelm because the anxious person is you know it feels like it's an invasion of their space avoidant they fear intimacy they they're more independent and so they, they fear their independence being taken away from them. And that's mm -hmm. what being in a relationship with somebody who's more anxious actually feels like is that their independence is going to be taken away from them. So they, they lean on coping mechanisms that they learned early in life because that's when all of this is developed. And so they start to pull away because that's what they learned early on. And then they don't communicate. And that gets very frustrating for the other person because, well, now the anxious attacher is going to try even harder to prove themselves because the avoidance pulling away and... So that's why you hear me say a lot of the times, um, you know, it's not an invitation to try harder when somebody pulls away from you. It's actually a time to set a boundary with yourself to say, okay, this doesn't feel right to me. I shouldn't have to chase somebody. I need to set a boundary with myself and let whatever happens happen. But to get back to the memes, I tried to put a little bit of humor into this because we take it so seriously. Because like I said, they tend to wear their attachment styles as a badge of honor. And I just want people to know that you can heal from this. It's not a permanent emotional state that with some assistance from a therapist, from a coach, from somebody that you trust, 
um, by diving into self-education and self-help books, that there's a lot of headway that you can make with your attachment style to become more secure in a relationship and begin to have the relationships that you truly desire. Wow. Can you be a mix of both? <laughs> yes. And avoidant? Yes. So you can be what's <laughs> called disorganized attachment or fearful avoidant. They're the same thing. And I just did a video on this, actually. And you are a mix of the two extremes of being anxious and avoidant. So there's times where you're very loving, you're very kind, you're very much into this relationship. And then the very next day, you might be in a place of complete distrust of this person. You don't want to be around them. You don't, you don't trust anything that's going on. You feel like they're going to leave you. And that can stem from a lot of different things. Let's say they're going on a trip. And you know they're going on a trip, but because you're you have a disorganized attachment style, you you want to go with them, you want to be near them, you don't want them to leave you. It feels like they're abandoning you. And logically, you know that they're going on this trip because it's a work trip and that's what they do. And this is just a part of part of their life and it's part of a, the deal of the relationship. But at the same time, it also feels like something nefarious is going to happen when they're away from you and they're going to break your trust and they're going to let you down because that's what you've experienced in some way, shape, or form in your relationships from in all of your life. And so it can be very hard for that person. That feels like you're in a mental prison is what I've described it as because you do have this constant back and forth. You feel very insecure within yourself because of that. Very interesting. I'll have to read the book. Yeah, I go back and forth. I think I'm mainly an avoidant, but I'm not, I'm not positive because I'm an anxious person. So I don't know. Well, and I, I always tell people, you know, don't self-diagnose. Uh, there are a bunch of, so attached by Amir Levine. If you go online, you can take a test. If you go to uh, Tace Gibson online, she also has a test available. Uh, the Power of Attachment by Diane Heller. She's got a test available. So you can take these tests and figure out what your attachment style is. Um, and they're all therapists and, and have written books. So there's a lot of good information out there for you guys to be able to make that determination of, well, what attachment style am I really? But here's my caveat to that. It doesn't matter. And this upsets people when I say stuff like this. It's a great tool for you to use to begin to understand yourself, which is deeply important to healing the relationship that you have with yourself. But what I don't want you to do is to get all these books because there's a person in your life that if you could only understand what's going on in their head, that all of a sudden that relationship is going to shift. It's going to change. It's going to be the best relationship ever because now you know how to manage, manage that relationship in that person. Well, that's manipulation. We don't want you managing people. We don't want you managing relationships. We want you to be in your body, in yourself, knowing who you are, where you're going, what you're doing, why you're doing it. We want you to be able to set boundaries and hold those boundaries and hold people accountable in your life and to have that better relationship with yourself so that you can invite people in to have a more secure relationship and to be able to do that together. And it sounds like this like woo-woo story that's never going to happen. Oh, that's great. I can't do that. Believe me, I get it in my comment section all the time. That's impossible. That's never going to happen. And it's like, well, it won't with that attitude. If you're not willing to dive into this stuff, if you're not willing to look at yourself in the mirror and recognize that you have just a little bit of work to do, that maybe there's some things that have been going on far too long that you're just asleep to at the moment. But if you could just wake that up within yourself and create that awareness that you might be able to look at your relationships a little bit differently and recognize that, okay, yeah, we do have to work on this together and we can do this together just because somebody's anxious and somebody's avoidant doesn't mean they can't come together in relationship and have an amazing relationship. 
Right. But you both have to be willing to do the work and have enough self-awareness to recognize when you're feeling emotionally activated in the relationship and then to be able to call time out and have a conversation about it and to navigate that. And unfortunately, a lot of people just aren't there. But I encourage you to help get yourself there. Yes, that's actually what Ed Milet said this morning in the podcast. He said 95% of people go through life and never know who they are. That's sad. It is. And I'm one of those people. I'm 44 and I'm still figuring it out. And I've played a lot of different roles in my life. I've been a chef. I've been a cop. And now I'm in a position where I'm able to take all that knowledge and experience from my past and develop a platform on that that's going to help people heal the relationship they have with themselves. Now, understand, I, I understand heal. Maybe I shouldn't say heal to help people improve the relationship that they have with themselves. And that takes a lot of work and effort on the individual's part. Yeah. If, if people don't want to work on it, they don't want to work on it. But it is interesting. Once you dive in, it's hard to not keep reading and, and want to work on yourself. At least that's how I feel, but I'm sure everyone's different. You, so you get into this stuff and you start small. Like I said, most people, they find Tony Robbins and then they watch his Netflix special. And from that Netflix special, now all of a sudden you get a book and then you get another book and then you find a podcast and you find another podcast and then you fall into watching. We, we keep saying Ed Milet, but he's been such a such an influence on so many people that it's hard to not fall into his content and then be trapped in it for a while in a, in a positive way because it's so uplifting. It's so helpful. His podcast yeah. is so amazing. He gets all the right people on his podcast uh, to be able to, to deliver information to you that you can deploy in real time in your life and to help you navigate this tough stuff. And so you'll find yourself in this place of, man, I, I need more information. I just don't have enough. But eventually, and this is how you know that you're really starting to heal, that you're really starting to improve the relationship that you have with yourself is you stop listening to the mindset mentor. You listen to less and less of Ed Milet. You listen to less and less of Andy Frisella. And you just start letting go of these things because you're realizing like, okay, I know this stuff. This is now a part of my DNA. This is part of who I am. This is how I live my life. This is how I operate. And now you can get into a place where you're going to start to really start to build something for yourself because you can do it from a place of authenticity. I know who I am. I know where I'm going. I know what I'm doing. And I'm going to make this happen. This is happening. I love it. And then earlier before we started recording, we were talking about I believe like people's dating profiles and photos and prompts. Do you also talk about those type of, of things in your videos? I haven't yet. So here's what we did. Uh, Sabrina Zohar is a dating and relationship coach. We met each other via TikTok and started communicating. Our content is similar enough because we both talk about attachment styles that we decided to collaborate on a texting guide to help people navigate some difficult times within texting in their relationships, as well as a bunch of information to help them improve the relationship that they have with themselves. So now we're working on a dating app. It's called Dating App Profile Tips for Success. It's already 10 pages long, and we're gonna go through what the best picture is to have, what the dating prompts are, how you should be answering those prompts, what that looks like. You have to remember, this is your opportunity to put yourself out there and position yourself as somebody that is authentic, that you're being yourself, you're showing up as who you are, you're allowing people in, that you're open to allowing people in. But at the same time, we want to showcase who you are. But if you hop on some of these dating apps and you look at the pictures and you look at the prompts and then you look at the things that you do in your personal life that you know maybe aren't going to be in alignment with a lot of people, 
you're putting yourself in a position to automatically be denied. And that says a lot about the individual as a person for the types of stuff that they put on their profile. And then they have the audacity to then complain that they're not getting quality matches. Well, I would invite you to take an honest look at your profile and ask yourself, would you date you? If you saw all those pictures and the various types of pictures that you're putting and the information that you're putting in there, and you may, you might think that you're being funny and that's fine. But if you're looking for a quality match, you have to understand what your intentions for dating actual actually are. Why do you want to date? What's your purpose? Are you just looking for dates? That's fine. Then you can be more fun and it can be casual and you can type in there something casual, but you're going to get people who are something casual. You're not going to get anything beyond that. And so understanding why you're dating to begin with is really going to help you. And then we also put in a bunch of red flags to look for in the dating prompts. So things that people say, uh, one of my favorites is I'm fluent in sarcasm. It's like, oh, so you're an asshole. <laughs> and, and that, I love yeah, that. It, but that's really for a lot of people, that's how they're going to take it. It's like, okay, so you're fluent in sarcasm. And, and this is so important to you that you have to put it on your profile that you are just fluent in sarcasm. And what that means is you're probably not a great communicator. And the way that you do communicate is by negging people. And when you do that, you're just putting people down to make yourself feel better. And people aren't going to want anything to do with that. Now, sarcasm can be used in a great way with humor, but maybe leave that for when you're actually on a date with somebody, maybe third or fourth date. You can be a little more sarcastic, have some fun with it. But as far as putting it on your profile, I mean, again, what are your intentions? What are you looking for? And is the app already out or it's launching? So this is this isn't an app. It's just a success guide tips for success. Oh, okay. So it'd be like a, like I said, it's already 10 pages long. So it has the potential to be much longer than that. We're only halfway through the information, but I've been scouring the internet for all the best tips to be able to put into this one guide. And then, you know, obviously putting our spin on everything that's going to be in there. So I'm looking forward to being able to deliver that to everybody. I think many people need that. <laughs> I would, I would agree because I, I'm not going to say the app that I hopped on, but I am on one particular app and I use it to be able to look for content, content ideas, and to be able to write this guide. And I'm just going based off of what I see. Now, granted, that's generally in my area. Um, maybe mm -hmm. I'll open up the parameters and look in different areas, go to different states and get some different information to help build this guide out. But so far, I mean, it's just a really interesting mix of what people are willing to put on their profile and to think that that's going to attract other people to include to include leaving like that message because there's one in particular where you can leave a voice message. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. like you can be funny on the voice message. Like I, I 100 percent agree. However, just watch what you're saying. Just watch what you're saying. Again, this is your first opportunity to introduce yourself to somebody. So would you walk up to somebody on the street and say the things that you leave in that message? That's a good point. Probably not. If you meet the cute guy or cute gal at the coffee shop, are you going to walk up and that's going to be your opener? <laughs> yeah. Probably not. So I would, I would avoid doing that. I've heard some interesting ones, so I know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> what are some, can you think of any right now or just the context of it? Which ones to tell you? I feel like I should open it up and let you know, but not like anything with, with the date. It's always something bizarre with, I don't know whether it's like you said, animals or sarcasm about food, um, things they like to do, but it's not like the normal things. Like they're trying to get attention. Right. 
And um, it's a little odd, especially like just trying to get someone's, you know, first impression to be good of you. Well, I will say there's a lot of disdain for people that go hiking, that like kayaking, that like being outdoors. <laughs> and I, I've been trying to understand this because I'm somebody that likes hiking, being outdoors, kayaking and spending my time outdoors. But it's so funny on the apps that there's just like people just hate it. They, they want nothing to do with people that, you know, go out and I guess have fun in nature. I don't know. It's very strange to me that that's like a thing. That is strange. Yeah. I haven't I've seen a lot of people that like hiking and like being in the mountains or the beach. But I don't think I've noticed people saying I hate hiking. No. So <laughs> it's the there's a lot of women out there that are like for the guys that are leaving the hiking pictures and saying that they like to hike. You can just leave that. And it's the same with like the fish pictures. Don't put fish on there. It's like, okay, but so let me know if somebody is trying to showcase who they are as a person and the things mm -hmm. that they like to do, why would something like that be a turnoff? So the fish pictures, there's just way too many guys that do that. And I, it, I guess it's just like, I think, cause I remember doing this in PR a few years back, there was some type of science behind men with fish turn women on. And I think, I don't know, maybe the word spread and every guy's holding a fish, but, um, I think it's okay if you truly do fish or hike or, you know, you're not just trying to show off your boat or, you know, something like that. But I, you're right. I think if it's truly your hobby, it's, it's okay to share. I just think it's interesting how we pass judgment on people so quickly and you know nothing about them. That's the problem. I probably pass on a million amazing people, but because of what they're putting out there or you're not able to hear or like see them in a video or something, you just pass on them. It's very superficial. Yeah. And we dive into that as well, where, you know, definitely you can leave a voice message on your profile. If you're using that particular app that allows that there's nothing wrong with that, but just keep it classy, keep it funny. Telling a joke is usually good. If it's a tasteful joke, uh, using the video feature is also helpful because people want to see you in motion, right? Because it's really easy, especially with AI tools and stuff like that now to have things that might be fake there's a high potential for profiles that are going to end up being fake uh, because of the tools that are available. And then there's always the filters. And so I encourage people don't use filters. There's no reason for that. Be who you are, accept who you are, be proud of who you are because you still have to meet this person in person. So if you're using, if you're using a beauty filter from one of the apps to take your pictures and you know, it's a great way for that first picture to get a lot of responses if that's what you're looking for. But at the end of the day, you're going to show up to that date and you're not going to be anything like that beauty styled photo that you used. So for a first photo, I suggest using something that's a little more authentic, a little bit less makeup for the guys. It should be something casual. You know, you don't need to be in your suit for the very first picture. Have that fierce look and that eyebrow up, you know, keep it relaxed and inviting and open and invite people in. Stop pushing, mm -hmm. stop pushing people away. Be, be open enough to invite people in. And I think you'll be surprised on the type of matches that you get in return if you're a little more open and not so superficial. Yeah, I like what you said. Like you want to be the person that you want to date more or less to attract that person. Yes, which means you have to know who you are. Yes, I know. I'm always thinking. I get it. I'm a deep thinker. Um, and then back to you. I'm curious about just uh, like the content. How much content are you creating a day, every day? So I want to be one of those people that says, I batch create content and I do it once a week. And, you know, I have all these people that work for me and do all these amazing things. But 
I'm not there yet. My TikTok took off initially and gained like 20, 30, 40,000 followers. And then it just stopped. And I couldn't figure out why it stopped. And a big part of that, they always talk about niching down and making sure that you have a niche. So that's what I did. I got rid of a bunch of content. I put it on private. I didn't delete it, put it on private so you can't see it. And then just started focusing on one particular topic because I was focusing on just it was relationships, it was fitness, it was, you know, all these different things to help you navigate your life and to do things a little bit better. I was healing from a shoulder surgery. So I was doing 75 hard and, you know, posting content about that. And I think for the algorithm, it just couldn't accept that I was doing all these different things and it didn't like that. So every now and again, I get a really good video and the ones that were doing well were on attachment styles. So I was like, all right, here we go. I will, I will get rid of all the other stuff except for 75 hard because I earned that. So I left that and then started focusing on attachment styles only. And that seemed to be what really connected with people. So I did that three months ago is when I put everything on private. I went from 69,000. I think I'm at 112,000 today. And it's really only been the past week that I've gained like 30, 40,000 followers because of one video. And so I want to make it clear to people when, when they say, oh, one video will change your life. It hasn't changed my life, but I have gotten more clients from it. I've gotten significantly more followers from it. Uh, people are more engaged with my content at this point. They're leaving a ton of comments and they're going through my stand store, adding themselves to the newsletter, as well as taking some of the other free stuff that I have in there. But you can also ask a question uh, and leave a question for the podcast and, and all this other stuff. So there's a lot that you can do there. And then on Instagram, that is just so difficult to navigate. And I don't understand why you post a video. It, maybe it does well. Maybe it doesn't. You stay off of Instagram for a week. All of a sudden you gain, you know, several hundred new followers. That's kind of the game with Instagram at this point. It's like, I just, I post stuff. If it does well, it does well. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I don't invest a lot of time there because they make it so difficult to do well in the algorithm. It's so inconsistent. How is it that I can have a video hit 54,000 in a matter of hours and a video that's very similar to it gets 3000 views? Makes absolutely no sense. So it's really hard to navigate that algorithm and, and try to gain any type of following on there. But people are engaged in my stories. I generally have, you know, three to 500 people that are watching my stories regularly. And so that's really good for the number of followers I have. And I'm happy with that because that means they're actually engaged with the content. They're engaged with the stories and they want to be there and they're looking forward to, to seeing that and to seeing what's next. And so in my stories, you'll find a lot of really pushing the podcast right now. The podcast is called The Blueprint. And it's not the blueprint from the spot, from the space of I'm giving you a blueprint. I'm not. It's recognizing when to pivot because my story is one of chronic resilience. And so I'm in that place of, well, I had to make a pivot. I had to make a shift. And that meant getting rid of the old blueprint so we can create a new one. And so it's more of a story of resilience, choosing new words to use with ourselves, building ourselves up to become the better version of ourselves and having a better relationship with ourselves. So I invite people on that interest me, that are fun to be around. The, uh, the latest person was Jessica Baum, who wrote the book Anxiously Attached. So she talks about attachment styles. Then I had Masha Kay, and she talks about nervous system regulation. And so I'm getting people from all these different areas. And then I also had Sustainable Dish on is her handle on Instagram. And she wrote the book and the movie Sacred Cow. So if you guys want to check that out, that's on Amazon. Great movie. Talks about sustainable farming and what that looks like for us in our future. 
So if you're into that kind of stuff, I highly suggest diving into it. But it's like, so I find people that resonate with me and then I just deliver that information to you. Is it going to do well? I don't know. It's still so new that you just, you're, you're putting it in the algorithm. Maybe a year from now, this stuff takes off. Who knows? You do a wonderful job. You're Thanks. inspiring me and I'm inspiring many people. But you had mentioned clients. Are you coaching in terms of relationships mostly or other things or even how to like content create? It all started out with, I'm going to coach people. I'm going to do life coaching and breath work because breath work is really the key to being able to calm ourselves down and to bring ourselves you know, out of our sympathetic nervous system and into our parasympathetic of rest and relaxation. So that's one tool of resilience that, that I like to use. Now understand everybody's nervous system is different. What works for me isn't going to work for you. It's not medical advice. I started out with life coaching. People would just ask me general questions. And so I had a couple clients with that. And then it turned into, well, now they're asking more relationship related questions. That seems to be the primary focus when I shifted my content on TikTok. Then we start focusing more on relationships. And now it's more focused on relationships and attachment styles, but it's also building up into, well, now this is impacting my career and other things that are going on in my life. And so it's really become, you know, a full scope life coaching business. It's so exciting to be a part of this. <laughs> you know, it, it's cool. when you get into this stuff, you have imposter syndrome and you start questioning, well, why am I do doing this? Who am I? But you also see all these other people that don't have the education you have. They don't have the experience you have. They don't have the knowledge that you have. And the only difference between you and that person that's doing exactly what you want to be doing is the fact that they believe that they could. And so I've had to make that shift for myself and say, you know what? I can do this. I am doing this. And now I'm at the point where it's like, well, no, I have done this and it's successful and it's doing well and I'm gaining new clients and people are asking those questions every day. I have a $30 ask a single question and it's wonderful that it just, it keeps growing. People keep coming and they resonate with the content and they appreciate what I have to say. But the proof is in the pudding and that if you just show up, eventually things will start happening for you, but you have to be consistent with putting in the effort into whatever it is that you're doing. Where do you have that question? I missed that. That's amazing. It's in my stand store. So if you go to the link in my bio and you click on my stand store, you get everything. So at the very beginning, you can get hit with the texting guide and prompts for dating. And that's $7.99. And then we go into the Blueprint podcast where you can connect with that. And then I have submit a story with a question. And that's also for the podcast. So you can submit a question for free to the podcast, but there's no guarantee it's going to get answered on the podcast. I may use it for other content purposes and there's disclaimers on there and stuff like that. So uh, people are very aware when they submit a question that it could be used on TikTok or Instagram or wherever I choose to use it. And then I have get a video from me on a question that you're asking and that's $30. And if you prefer to have it as a, as an email, I can do that too. Uh, most people choose to have the video because they want that more personalized experience. And so they come through, they ask me their question, whatever it is, it's always relationship related. They're going through something really difficult. They're trying to figure out their avoidant partner. They're trying to figure out their anxious partner. They don't know what's happening and they're just trying to get some sort of clarity. And they'll provide me with a very long detailed paragraph because they're going through it. They're emotionally activated. They're stressing out. They're frustrated. They're irritated. They're sad. They're upset. They're depressed. There are all of these feelings being poured into this message to me. And so I then give a three to five minute video outlining what I read. 
as part of it. So I can, so they know that they under, that I understand exactly what they're asking me. And then I give either like a series of 10 steps or whatever my, what's appropriate for their question to get it answered. And sometimes that looks like I answer the question, but then I follow it up with, and I end with, you know, this is actually a great opportunity for you to seek out, uh, somebody who's a counselor or a therapist or somebody who's better equipped to be able to handle your situation um, or somebody that you trust along those lines. So um, yeah. I have turned away certain questions just because uh, I'm not a therapist and I don't pretend to be one. And so if something butts up against, you know, coaching versus therapy, I have no problem telling people, Hey, you know what, this is more therapy related. You should go see your therapist. That's incredible. I had no idea you even did that. And I'm surprised that you sleep. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> no, I seriously. So I go to bed at nine. I wake up at four and I just I live and breathe this stuff. And this is what I do. And eventually it's going to hit a point where I have people that help me. But for right now, I edit everything. I create everything. I do all the content. Like all of that is me. I answer your questions. And so I've. I love that. And I'm not the only one, you know, this is, this is what being online is all about. And I don't, I stopped myself from calling myself an influencer because I don't like that word. Um, Content creator, I guess is more appropriate. Mm -hmm. Uh, Life and breath coach, I think really fits the bill. But at the end of the day, it's really just, you know, being able to connect with people in a way that's going to help them feel less hopeless and more hopeful. And you are, you really are. I know you're going to continue to be successful and thank you. Blow up and have a huge team eventually. I just have a couple more questions because yeah. I know we've already spoken for an hour. Um, are the, is there any breath work advice? I know you said everyone's different, but like me being an anxious person, what, and I've listened to other podcasts that say like, I forget, breathe eight seconds in, hold it, then breathe out. But is there one that you fall back on that you tell people about? Yes. And I mentioned this one a lot. You'll get this on Andrew Huberman's podcast, but it's the physiological sigh. It's something that you find yourself almost naturally doing as a means of being able to regulate yourself. It's something that's a little more innate inside of us, but it's literally just you breathe in through your nose and at the top, you take an extra inhale in. And so it looks like this. And so the inhale is shorter than the exhale. It's a long exhale out. And you'll do that three to five times, do it in a safe space, do it in a seated position. You can do it while you're lying down. But what you're going to notice is your shoulders are going to drop. You're going to feel a little more relaxed and you're going to find yourself moving into potentially into your parasympathetic nervous system of rest and relaxation. Now, of course, there's other methods. There's other tools. As we get into these different breathing methods, you've got Wim Hof. Um, one of my favorites is the four, two, five. So it's in for four seconds, hold for two seconds, and then exhale for five seconds. If you do that laying down with your knees up, and so you can, you can put a pillow under your knees, you can just have your knees up, but you're laying down on the floor. You're allowing yourself to be grounded into the floor. And then you're just breathing in through your nose for four seconds, hold for two seconds, exhale for five seconds. And you repeat that for two to five minutes. You're going to feel freaking amazing at the end of that. And so if you, if you add in some binaural beats or a Joe Dispenza meditation on top of that, and you can be consistent with this, you can give yourself a tool of resilience that's going to allow you to feel more empowered and more capable and less frustrated, irritated, sad, depressed, angry, all of those things. That's been my personal experience, but I'll leave that up to you guys to make that determination for you. And what was the 4251? Who was that based under? Was it something you came up with? 
No, it... so I actually heard that from Mary Catherine McDonald. She wrote the book okay. Unbroken, and she gives that method in the very beginning of her book. But again, there's so many different cadences that you can use and types of breathing that you know you just find a couple that work for you. I don't know that you have to know a hundred different methods. You know, the physiological side works great. Uh, four two five works great. Box breathing is great. You hear a lot of people talk about that one where it's just in for four seconds, hold for four seconds, exhale for four seconds, hold for four seconds, and repeat. You'll often hear the there was a period of time where on Instagram you would see the sponsored ad, if you want to breathe like a Navy SEAL. And then it <laughs> and, and then at the end of it, they just tell you it's box breathing. And it's like, okay, so it's box breathing. Right. <laughs> just call it that. Cool. <laughs> You know, but you know, it makes it a lot more interesting to, to pull people in and to make people aware that, you know what, breath work is a tool that's available to you. It's free. You can use it at any time. As far as cadence, you find the ones that work for you. It takes a little bit of research, but there's so much out there on the Internet right now. Um, and it's just a matter of finding what works for you. I love Wim Hof. I use that a lot. But there's people that don't love Wim Hof and they don't want other people to use it. So. It's really what's appropriate for you, but obviously talk to a doctor first because there can be some some adverse effects. And so you want to make sure that you're protecting yourself and that you're uh, educating yourself on this stuff. So. Okay, and last question, where do you see yourself in five years? I can tell you that's probably one of the hardest questions that you could possibly ask me right now because I've been in this place of just trying to build constantly. And so you're in this space where you have all these computer screens in front of you. You're on your phone all day long. You're building content. You're looking at other people's content. You try not to get into a place of comparison. And you're, you're looking at all these people that have already made it. And it's like, well, okay, how can I repeat what they've done? And it's like, well, I don't want to repeat what they've done because I want to be myself. And I want to make sure that my personality shines through and that people get to see that. I don't want to be Ed Milet. I want to be Jason Smith. But you know, Jason Smith has a story too. And it's a really good story of resilience, chronic resilience. And, you know, so how can I begin to tell that story in a way that's going to be impactful for people that are viewing the content, but also, um, you know, help people navigate their own experiences as well. So where am I going to be in five years? I would love to be in a place where this is, I don't want to say sustainable, but I want to be in a place where I actually have help <laughs> where, uh, yeah, I'm not the only one doing this. And we, you know, we create a small team and we're, we're helping people again, navigate difficult situations in their life and helping them improve the relationship that they have with themselves by understanding their attachment style and how that impacts their life and how they relate to other people. When you look at the youngest generation right now, one of the overarching themes that I hear is that they feel hopeless. And when you feel hopeless, you don't have purpose. And so you have to figure out what your purpose is, where you're going, what you're doing, why you're doing it. And it's all the stuff that I put on Instagram and on TikTok and in my YouTube videos. It's all the stuff that I'm creating are the tools that we didn't learn when we were younger, that we knew that, that now as adults, we're looking back on these experiences and recognizing, hey, I'm kind of lacking in, in these areas. Maybe I'm a little emotionally mature in some other areas as well. And maybe that's why I haven't been able to expand and grow and become the person that I've always wanted myself to be. And so when I see, hear this from the younger generation that they feel deeply hopeless, it's like, okay, well, 
you're not going to get that from your parents. That time has passed. And the only person that's going to be able to give that to you is you. So how can we begin to lift you up and, you know, get you to realize that not all is lost, not all is hopeless. There's a lot of wonderful and amazing things that are going to happen in your life. And just because they haven't happened yet doesn't mean that they're not going to happen. But it also means that you have to start showing up for yourself. And so people may not have shown up for you in the past, but you have to learn this yourself now. You have to give yourself the tools. And we get in this state of blame that it's everybody else's fault. And because it's everybody else's fault, everybody else needs to change. And you can have that mindset, but you're going to struggle every step of the way for the rest of your life. And so ask yourself, do I want to stay? Do I want to feel what I'm feeling right now for the next 50 years? And the answer to that is going to be a hard no. No, I, I don't want to be where I'm at right now, 50 years from now. That, that's not what I want. Okay. Well, what is what can you do right now? What is one thing today, right now, that you can do to make an improvement in your life and start creating momentum in the direction that you actually want to go? Well, you have to find a book that resonates with you and start reading and start being intentional with where your life, what you're going, what you're doing, how you're doing it, what information that you're taking in, how you're deploying it in your life. And it's why you end up seeing some of these other influencers that are really popular, but it's because they're giving these young people tools that are empowering them and making them feel stronger and more capable and educated and that they, there is hope for their future. Yeah. And being intentional is important. That's another thing I have to work on, but <laughs> I think if we, we do write it down, we can create our own future. Absolutely. What you're doing, you're proof of that. Well, this is so awesome. How can people, if they're already not watching you, is it all at Jaybird Fit? It is. Or... Okay. So I recently did that. Um, I was able to get at Jaybird Fit, J-B-I-R-D-F-I-T, everywhere. So yeah, it, it's Twitter, it's TikTok, it's Instagram. You can send me you you can send me an email. If you go to my stand store, you can link up with me. Uh, the stand store is really where everything's at and housed. And you can connect with me that way. Thanks so much for being on Live Without a Net. Yeah, thanks for having me.